Welcome to the Gather Houston podcast. We are a Christian community practicing the way of Jesus in all parts of life and for the good of all people. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace, Gather family. I hope you're doing well. Uh, I got my uh, coffee over here, so I am in the best place I can be. Come on, can I get an amen? Uh, Well, welcome to our second week in our Acts series. Uh, This series, I believe, uh, will kind of push us, uh, but will help us uh, in understanding the evolution of the church, or a word I'll say, the revolution of the early church. This this series is about kind of following along in the narrative uh, of this living and breathing, changing organism known as the early church. And as we journey through the book of Acts, this amalgamation of stories shows us that the church is alive and changing and growing and maturing and permeating uh, the spirit of Christ. And I would say, if anything, we learn is that the spirit of Christ is the essential for movement, for growth, for change. Brother David Steindl Rast says it like this about the Spirit of God. He says, twice in this book, Thignat Han puts before us a powerful image of the Christian legend. At midwinter, St. Francis was calling out to an almond tree. Speak to me of God, he asked. The almond tree breaks into bloom. It comes alive. There is no other way of witnessing to God but by aliveness. And with a fine instinct, Thignat Han traces genuine aliveness back to its source. He recognizes that this is what the biblical tradition calls the Holy Spirit. And after all, the very word spirit means breath. And to breathe means to live. See, the Holy Spirit is the divine life or is the breath of divine life. In church, as Josh said last week, If you're alive, you're changing. So if you're changing, you know that you are alive. As we'll see in this series and as you read the book of Acts, you'll see the church is alive. See, throughout contemporary Christianity, the church in Acts has been idealized as the standard, as the one and only church that has gotten it right. And today, hear me say, just as Josh said last week, we're not here to make the church great again. It's not our goal. We don't believe that we need to go back to this uh, idealized version of the good old days. We believe that misses the point. That we idealize what used to be. And we'll miss what I believe God is doing now. When we look at this grand narrative and the embedded narratives, I hope we see the beauty of the progress of the early church. 
But I also don't want us to maybe have a blind eye to the hard to watch self-sabotage. The abrasive punches in the face of prejudice and racism. The sorrows of oppression, of harm, misogyny, objectification. And last but not least, I would say the most important, that we will not miss the movement of the spirit through humans to see the people of God, or should I say the family of God, expand and the hardship it takes to continue to move forward. Church, we are the people of God permeated by the spirit. And may we learn Maybe grow as we read this book. See, we arrive in Acts 2 on a cliffhanger. For in Acts 1, uh, Jesus tells the disciples one night, wait in Jerusalem and you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then he ascends into the sky and they watch him ascend into the sky and as maybe you would imagine, if one of your friends went into the sky, you might not stop looking down or looking up. You might not look down, right? You might just think, well, is this person never going to come down? And Jesus never came down. But then two messengers come and ask, what are you looking at? As if they didn't know. But it was almost this inference of that Jesus has gone and the Spirit will come. Keep pressing ahead. See, chapter one is foundational in making sense of chapter two. Because not only are they waiting for the Spirit, but also the disciples ask an interesting question. In chapter one, that some of us might miss. They ask this question that is integral to Second Temple Jewish theology. Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And in this question are the echoes of the day of the Lord spoken of in Joel. The day where the spirit of the Lord will break out and uh, fall and be poured out on all people. The echoes of the day where their very identity in the land God promised will be given back all at once. They were essentially asking, when are we going to be able to wield the same power over the Roman Empire that they have held and wielded over us? Wait for this power and the kingdom of Israel will be restored by force, they thought. The revolution by force will begin. When I'm reading scripture, I'll let you in on a little secret, just me and you, right? Usually my mind would try to draw connections with past memories, kind of like movie scenes, quotes, songs, it kind of helps me ground myself in the text. 
to make sense of what is going on. And as I was reading this scene in Acts 2 that I'll read in a second, the song People Get Ready by Curtis Mayfield came to mind. And how do you even say when they're waiting for the power of the Spirit to fall on them? I got that song and it came to my mind. And lyrics go like this. I'm going to save you and I'm not going to sing. So I'm going to bless you today and you're not going to hear me sing, okay? But the lyrics go like this. People get ready. There's a train coming. You don't need no baggage. You just get on board. All you need is faith to hear the diesels humming. You don't need no ticket. You just thank the Lord. Now, this song came two years after Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech in 1963, August 28th. And that was subsequently followed September by the 16th Street Baptist Church bombing in Birmingham that took the lives of girls. And then one year after, the Civil Rights Act was passed in 1964. You can say that this song was birthed from and for the revolution. The revolution, the civil rights revolution, consisted of the pedestrians who were outnumbered and outpowered by the so-called empire. And by, but by sheer will and determination, they pushed by sacrificing themselves, their business, their money, their status, pushed this country forward. This was the revolution of equity, equality, rights, peace, healing, and safety for all people. Right now, you might be asking, well, Andre, why are you sharing about the revolution? Curtis Mayfield, People Get Ready is a great song, but why does it matter? And I would say it's not because I believe the church in some way is going to push our country forward. Instead, it has to do with the simple idea that as we read Acts 2, just maybe my mind reminded me that this is the beginning of a revolution. The revolution of looking at the people of God differently. The revolution of looking at community differently. The revolution uh, where boundaries are expanded to who are welcome and who are seen and who are loved. Inclusivity normalized, abundance uh, seen amidst scarcity, a revolution where honestly uh, we're watching it unfold and I bet some people had no clue where it was headed, but, but in faith we're led by the Spirit. The text says this, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. 
They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. And were utterly amazed, they asked. Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears in our own native language? It's the word of the Lord today. There's a couple things, disclaimers, I would like to make. One is that maybe for you, for sure, for me in the past, this message has been centered around somebody giving an argument whether what these tongues were and were spoken are. And usually it comes at the expense of those who have had spiritual experiences. It comes at the expense of those who grew up differently and had a different spiritual background. I'm not saying that this is not important, but we will not, I will not share a message either for or against this being an actual human language uh, or a heavenly language. Because I don't want us to miss the detail of importance, which is that the people heard the good news of Jesus in the common language of their people. And I don't want us to miss this because in some translations or how could be translated, this idea of native language is the mother tongue of these people. And what that means is that it's the language you speak with your family at a Thanksgiving meal. People you've sat with in your living room for years that know you in and out, the slang that is used, this uh, almost uh, speech that is understood if you have lived and been present there. And they heard it in this common language. And they were amazed because it wasn't just book language, right? But it was, now you know the ins and outs of this. You have been fluent in our language. And I think we miss the beauty of God showing up in the living room of all people. And then sometimes we miss this, that yes, they all believe uh, and kind of have the Jewish faith in common here in this very moment and in this scene. But they are part of the diaspora, meaning that people were dispersed 
into other what they would call Gentile nations. And so in some way, not only was God just showing up into the rooms of those who were Jewish, but in some way he was showing up. The spirit of God, spirit of Christ was showing up in the living room of all of those nations. Because the two identities of the people of Israel at this time, because you have to understand this is still a very niche movement, right? Practicing the way of Jesus is not normalized. And at some level, it's not liked or loved. And there are two identities the people of Israel kind of embody at this time. One is that they are a people in exile under Roman rule. And then two, as I just said, they are a people of diaspora. And so when they hear them speaking in each of their native languages or their common languages or mother tongue, they think these men are crazy and drunk. And it's funny, like the response to that is like, nah, it's too early. Like we're not, we're not there yet. We haven't got there yet, right? And honestly, they probably said that because they thought themselves is like, am I going crazy, right? This makes no sense how this can happen. I did not expect this to happen. And then secondly, their apprehensive response could because could could come from this idea that Jesus has just been murdered for sharing the same message or similar message that we are still a colonized people and the empire uses brutality to make sure suppression happens. And the same person who spoke a similar message was just murdered and crucified. Dr. Willie James Jennings says it like this. The challenge for any Christian is to listen to what the spirit of Christ is saying at the sight of breaking boundary and border. This was breaking the boundary and border of who they knew God to be. The spirit was moving in a way in which they have never seen happen And as we look at this speaking of language, it's almost music to the ears of those who might not have understood what was taking place because of the different language or might have had language barriers. And maybe because of that, they did not feel included or at least as much as they would hope as they took the pilgrimage. And this is the moment that we see that God shows up in the living room of all people, present there. I see, as I was talking about people get ready in the revolution, I believe that at this moment, God, through the spirit of Christ, was showing up in a way that said, this is the beginning of a new era. 
of something new that you have not seen before. And they were at the beginning of the breaking and boundary and border of who it means or who is welcome to be a part of God's family. And I think as we uh, look at this unfold throughout the book of Acts, we'll see that this new family is a family where difference is not only tolerated, but it's celebrated that all people are God's people. And that with that comes arguments and frustration. With that comes vulnerability and challenge. But this was a moment where God showed us that this power the disciples were waiting on was not the power over people, not the same power wielded over them so they can do the same thing to others that that was done to them and their people, but it was a power for people. It was the moment where the spirit was no longer just for the few, but for the expansive many. Where all were participating in this new thing, in this revolution that God was seeing, uh, we were seeing happen and unfold, and that we are seeing happen and unfold. And as we see this, and as we look at this, I want us to see the beauty that of what it means to be alive. And the spirit is alive, church. And the spirit is alive in this church, in this church, in this community, in this family. It's changing. It's becoming different. The hierarchy is no longer there. Uh, as we will see, the patriarchy kind of uh, ebbs and flows out Things are different than the way they used to be. And as we move forward in this series, maybe for you, this week, it's reminding yourself that it's not, maybe you come from experience where it was, you know, you needed the perfect formula to see the spirit move within you or be present that you needed to read your Bible and that you needed to do these other things and that after that moment, you have become spiritually mature and that is when you get an extra helping of the Spirit. And I would encourage you, the Spirit of Christ resides in you, that life and life and abundance is in you and with you. And that as we journey through this text, as we journey as a church, that we would learn to listen to what the Spirit is saying, what the Spirit is doing, that we would find ourselves on the same wavelength as the Spirit and as God moves. For this Spirit of Christ, as we see, the beginning of the revolution is the flattening of the hierarchy. It's the expanding of boundary and border to who is a part of the people of God. And maybe for you, just knowing that you're included is enough.
Knowing that you're loved is enough. And knowing that you are a cherished part of the body of Christ is enough. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in Gather, check out our website at gatherhouston.org or visit us on Sunday at 10 a.m.